Literally, what the frick? <laughs> All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of What the Frick. I'm your best pal, Nick. And I'm Katie. And I want to begin uh, this episode with an important message from our OG sponsor, Brandon Pratt. The reviews are in, folks, from the last episode. Here's what our sponsor, Brandon, had to say. Good evening. I always considered you among the smartest people I know. But after today, I blink. Then he goes, no words. I just finished. You're lucky you ended with a shout out to me. It is the only reason our friendship remains intact <laughs> after that episode. <laughs> with sponsors oh. like these, who needs haters? Am I right, Katie? Am I right? I mean, what the frick? Oh, you're right. Who needs haters when our friends have hey nothing guys, nice to say <laughs> create content that makes them want to kill us i love it for us i love it that makes us. them think less about us and our intelligence levels so yeah that, i think it's I, great that's great honestly i'm i'm not offended but i am honored to have received that text for brandon so <laughs> thank you brandon <laughs> thank you brandon all right katie why don't you tell our pals what is in store for this Thursday. I would love to. And you know, I do have to give a disclaimer about this because this is an episode where we are going to talk about advice that you should not, I repeat, should not take from your parents. And my disclaimer is that this has nothing to do with my parents directly because I am going to be the first to say that my mom gives the best advice. You know, she tells me all the time to choose the fun option to do whatever crazy idea that I have. She always encourages it. My dad has raised me to be the most financially responsible person. Like my parents have given me great advice, but Nick and I, as we were brainstorming this episode decided like the generation of parents as a whole, like universally just don't understand our generation. So we don't think that they should be giving us these pieces of advice that we're going to outline. So this is basically the okay boomer episode. Yes. Like so, basically that's right. what it is. And to emphasize that I do want to like everyone should take advice from Katie's mom. And yeah. I want to speak a little bit to that. Uh, my senior year, I was on a date is a strong term. It was my first uh, yeah. <laughs> like this girl and I had been, had chatted and were like hanging out for the first time. And it was a tailgate. My mom went to St. A's, so she was hosting a little table with some food and some drinks. So my mom was at the tailgate. So I was like, all my friends, I was like, come down to the tailgate. It'll be really fun. And Nick was like, can I bring my girlfriend? I was like, girlfriend? Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, exactly true so i bring this girl and she is telling stories that are not exactly believable Mm -mm. i don't even know how it came up but basically we get to this point where my acquaintance is telling this story about when she's on a plane and her mom lost her 
wedding or engagement ring. And, you know, that happens, right? Like, not an ideal situation. Except for the fact that in this story, months later, potentially a year later, they board a different flight to a different place. Uh, However, it was apparently the same airline, and apparently it was the same jet. And during takeoff, the ring appears under my acquaintance's foot, and she goes, Mother, I have found your ring. (laughs) And I mean, when I tell you, I have never, Katie's mom's face. It was especially funny because like, it's not like it was one of my friends telling my mom this story. It was this random girl that like, Nick was like, oh, I'll bring her. That'll be fun. She can meet you guys or whatever. She really hijacked about an hour of me and my mom's time at this delegate telling the most absurd stories. But also, but also, and this, like, I apologize, not just you and your mother. Your mother had Mm. friends that she was, like, visiting with who were listening to these escapades. And, like, the first (laughs) one was, like, this wild story, and they're all, like, oh, that's crazy. That's literally crazy. Right. And you're not going to say, no, you're lying. Like, you're going to no. let her finish the story. But by story number five, your friend was <laughs> just looking at me like, or not, your your mom's friend was just looking at me like, are we serious? Are this? you guys together? <laughs> like, what's so, happening? so, end it. And also, she told a story about how she, no, no, she didn't tell a story. She was wearing like a what was she wearing a jean jacket it was september and she had like a ski pass on it or something yes and And your mom grabbed the ski pass was like oh do you ski like trying to bring the conversation back to like to a normal normal, level yes like a normal thing to talk about And, and she goes oh skiing she's like oh my god this ski pass is from the time that I saved, that my mom saved some guy's life. It was crazy. He almost died right in front of my face. Like, and, and she told the whole story. We were like, the whole story. <laughs> and we all went, I like, you know, if you, you could see, see our faces. Face. Yeah. Right. But suffice it to say, after that, I went, all right, well, nice to see everyone. We're leaving. <laughs> she was a very nice girl. She was nice. She just had a oh. little. She is. It's just like the. It was a. It was a lot of conversation. I went over. I think the next Sunday for dinner, uh, at your place, and your mom was like, "Nick," I was like, "You don't even have to say it. You don't even have to say it." <laughs> and she's like, "All right, great." So like, I will always take advice. When yo, when I moved to DC, your mom was the first one to be like, "Do it up. That'll be so fun for you," and gave yeah. me all the spots to hit. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Because my mom, she lived in DC for a semester when she went to St. A's. Instead of doing like a study abroad semester, she did a semester in DC. Uh, so yeah, but I will say my mom personally has always given me great advice. Uh, one time, Laura and I, she was my friend Laura, she was driving us to the airport when we were about to go to Asia for a month. And we were just in a 40 minute car ride. We were just chatting. And my mom's like, you know what? 
I'm going to give you guys my best life tips. <laughs> we were like, okay. And I remember lo- looking back at Laura and I was like, she doesn't usually do this, but this is kind of funny. And she was just like, she was like, don't take hate from anyone. Always trust yourself. Like, oh, just like out of the blue. <laughs> I was like, I you guys are about energy. to embark on a journey. Like you need to hear my best tips. Like, so anyways, mom, if you're listening, not a direct attack on you. You know, I love you with my heart and soul. So with that being said, this is the advice you should never take from a boomer because they don't know your life. They don't know what they're talking about. Nick, would you like to start us off? Sure. I want to talk about the generation, our parents' generation, does not have a realistic understanding of money in today's world. Mm -hmm. For example, I'm explaining to my father how much I take home every month. And he says, well, you know, you put a third into rent. And I'm like, well, I put a little bit more. And then I was, he was like, yeah. And then like, you know, 200 bucks a month on food. I went, what? He's like, yeah, like 200, what do you spend on food? I go, I spend $100 a week on food. Also, the grocery bill includes like $100 of wine a week. So. And that, and that wine is to deal with the financial debt that I'm going to be in for the rest of my life just by living. <laughs> just by living. And, oh, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, a few years, you don't even have to worry about student loans anymore. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I don't have room to talk. Like, my parents were very generous in helping with, like, paying for college. But, like, I still have 10 years of loans. I was like, what do you mean a few years? I don't know. I just feel like there's there's a disconnect between spending money as a millennial or Gen Z. Gen Z or Gen Z slash millennial. We're in the, I'm cu- like in the middle. On the cusp, yeah. Yeah, so I just feel like there's a disconnect. Also, his attitude on coffee, like, he's like, well, if you can spend $7 a day on a latte from Starbucks, I'm like, first of all, it's not a day. Second of all, I enjoy my latte. Like, let me have my latte. And, like, and this isn't my parents personally. Like, my parents, I guess my dad is more hard on me for spending money. But us spending, say, $50. Like, I would say every time I go out to the bars or, like, go out to a restaurant, like, I would say I probably spend $50. Unless I'm, like, intentionally trying not to spend money. But, like, maybe in maybe more than that. Like, that's, like, the average. And I don't like to get criticized for that because it's like this is our version of fun these days like we're living in a time where like things suck and I'm not even talking about just the pandemic like our 20s they're fun but they're stressful if I'm going to a bad job that I hate can I just buy a coffee on the way and be happy about it that's not going to keep me from going bankrupt but having 10% interest on my loans is going to get me bankrupt so the five dollars doesn't matter I think it's two separate things right so the first is there's like I read this great article one time that was like, millennials and Gen Z spend their money on experiences. Our mm-hmm. parents' generation like spent money on things. And so like, and like, this is true of my dad. My dad, who like is very Italian, all of his grandparents were born in Italy. Just, it is a huge part of his identity. Never spent money to go to Italy himself. That was not because like, we didn't have the resources. It was just like, a, he didn't, ju- he couldn't justify it in his mind. That is a worthy expense. Like, we are, like, travel. That is, like, a great thing. Like, I just feel like that. that's, like, thing one, right? Is, like, this, like, why would you spend money 
on a coffee that's going to last you 20 minutes. And it's like, because I want the coffee. Second, though, I think there's also a disconnect between, like, even understanding what things cost today. Like, my, yes. like if I were like, Dad, I went out this weekend. He's like, he's not always like, oh, my God, how much did you spend? But he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, like when we talk about my budget, he's like, oh, you go out a weekend, that's 20 bucks. I'm like, that's what? That's that an Uber right there. That's one the Uber. Uber. Exactly. The half, <laughs> half of my share of the Uber is $20, sir. Right. And I have not even walked into the bar yet. So, like, I just, I'm like, Dad, I love you to death. I would literally do anything for you. But my God, look, at, like, when you go to the grocery store, I need you to actually look at the cost of things you're putting in your cart. Because... Mm-hmm. And I think he, too, like, thinks, like, oh, when I go grocery shopping, like, I spend, like, $250 for four people. So that must mean that Nick spends a fourth of that. But it's, like, I can't get one-fourth of a box of macaroni. Like, I just have to get the macaroni and then, like, deal with it. Eat it. So I still have to get a quart of milk, which is also all we need for my family. Mine just, like, all half of it always goes bad. Like, there's just no way around it. I don't know. Love them to death, but really, I mean, we need to start looking at the price tags. On, like, a bigger scale, I'm just so sick of, like, that generation. And, like, my dad often says this about student loans. And, like, my dad's like, well, I worked my way through college. Like, okay, I've also had a job since I was 16. I'm not some lazy millennial, and I know that you're not either, Nick. Like, I've also worked, but I've been paid eight to... $8 to $15 an hour for the jobs that I've worked post like in high school and in college. Those jobs were not jobs that could put me through college when I'm paying $60,000 a year to go to college. Like if, of course you're going to put yourself through college when college costs $10,000 a year. If my college costs $10,000 a year, of course it would be paid for by now because that's not anything compared to what we're paying. (laughs) The other thing that I love about the, how much money college costs, <clears throat> kids these days, I mean, you get anything at these colleges. You get foosball tables. These just... dorms are like palaces. I slept on one half inch of carpet that was laid out for me with a scratchy pillow. <laughs> and it's like, sir... It was not unfair or unrealistic of me to ask my college to provide basic standards of living. Let's not kid ourselves. (laughs) Like, the dorms are not air-conditioned. Well, also, like, I'm not mad. So I lived in Brady, I mean, um, Courts. Uh, And, like, I know people who didn't go to St. A's. Courts were infested with mice. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I lived oh, in yeah. court and I left. And then the summer that I left, they renovated it and made it beautiful, put hardwood floors. That's great. When I see it on Snapchat, the girl, the year below me living in the same room that I lived in has the hardwood floors in this beautiful room. I'm not mad at her that she has it better than I have it. It's not her fault that the college chose to give her better conditions than I had. And I'm sure somewhere in her tuition, 
probably mine too. It's gonna reflect in the price. Like, why are all, why is it like a personality trait for these boomers to be like, well, I walked up hills to school both ways and you guys are living in, like, anyways, the unrealistic standards of what things cost. I don't know why they're also, so mad at us. <laughs> very briefly, let's touch on the fact that like, the minimum wage, if adjusted for inflation from when it was created, would be over $20 an hour now. The minimum, the national minimum wage is $7.25. My point simply being that their like waitressing job or their minimum wage job went a lot further than ours does. I don't know what to tell them. Like, I, I don't have time to explain economics to them. And, like, frankly, after last episode, I think it's pretty clear I couldn't if I tried. But, like, that part I get. That part I get. I agree with that. This is going back a little bit, but the whole, like, boomers being like, well, if you can't afford college, then don't pay for it. But then if you don't get a degree, what are you going to do? They make it – this is the type of society where if you don't get a degree, like – it, it, they've made it so you need a degree in order to get a job. It's like, you look on Indeed, you look at job listings, and it's like, <laughs> it's like bachelor degree required $15 an hour. I'm like, do you think $15 an hour is going to pay the amount of debt that I have to get that bachelor's degree? No, it won't. So to every boomer out there, I hope you're listening. I'm going to post this episode in every, like, boomer Facebook group I can find. <laughs> London Dairy Mom. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, that's great. So, I know, Katie, we talked a lot about the price of college, but I think there's also more to say about advice related to college that you probably should not take from your parents. Yes, I will get into that. I think, and it's actually funny because on our stories relating to our episode last week of things that don't feel real but are. Someone submitted a response saying that it's kind of crazy that at the age of 18 you need to have your life, your major, your career figured out when you're trying to decide your college. I don't think it's fair for the older generations to tell 18-year-olds, seniors, juniors, juniors and seniors in high school, hey listen, uh, decide where you want to go to college. That's four years of your life but it will determine you know the rest of your life uh decide what you want to major in decide what you want to do for the rest of your life you know your career path and I'm not talking about my parents my parents are very helpful in this process but I feel like I had like old guidance counselors in high school and they were just not helpful at all they were just like condescending and a liberal arts degree is valid I am tired of going to cocktail parties and listening to boomers be like, and what did you major in, art history? Actually, it's a very complex major. And there's a lot of research skills that you get through it. Also, like, having a little bit of culture is not a bad thing. And I just, like, I didn't major in art history, but, like, I don't, uh, I'm not offended by people who did. And, like, also this (laughs) idea that, like, you are like your major lines up perfectly with your job. I did not need a political science degree to get any of the jobs that I have gotten as a result of, uh, like since graduating, I have got them through like networking and through previous jobs that I got that like prepared me skills wise. If I had majored in art history, 
I would still have been qualified every step of the way and been fine. Like, it is okay to major in English. Like, fine. Like, I think just, personally we need more, um, like, writers in the world and more art historians. I don't care if you never pick up a pen after you get your English degree. We need more, the way you think, when you're analyzing a novel, that is, like, a skill set that can be applied beyond the context of a novel. And I'm yeah. tired of people trashing the humanities. It's annoying. It's not cool. It's wrong. I, I'm also very sick of that. Be, like, just for context, Nick and I were both politics majors. Um, but I, I hate when someone's like, oh, I'm an English major. And they're like, oh, what are you going to be an English teacher? <laughs> like, why are you making fun of them? Like, English is a very complex major. I took one oh my god it was a terrible class and I only say that because I was so bad at it but it gave me so much respect it was a it was an English class and like it centered around like Samuel Johnson like it was like my point is it gave me so much respect for people who took these classes like critiquing people for studying humanities and English and art history and all of these is just so counterproductive because it's like what are we going to have a million economics majors? And I will say the first job I had after college, I was responsible for hiring. So I read probably close to 300 resumes and introductory emails and cover letters. Caitlin, we <laughs> like the United States could benefit from everyone sitting down and taking a quick course on writing. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. like it is the first thing And when I say judge, I don't mean like I'm like looking at a bad writer as like a bad person, but like that is your first impression of someone in a professional sense. Like everything is done by email or I mean, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but like in a lot of cases, a written email is your first introduction to someone professionally. And like, if you can't write again, as last episode demonstrated, I'm not cut out to be a mathematician that's fine. I have a lot of respect for people. Like people's brains are different. And so like, I don't expect every mathematician to be able to write a beautiful essay. I just like, I would hope a mathematician wouldn't expect me to solve like some equation or formula that I would never be able to solve. But like, I just think in general, the idea that like the humanities are lesser than science or business that grinds my gears. Boomer. Yeah, like, okay, Boomer, what did you study in college? Walking uphill both ways. Dating. General rule. If you refer to dating someone as going with them. Not to an event, like, just in general. (laughs) Yeah, like, we are going together. What does that mean? Like, my point is simply, like, I don't need a lecture. So, like, when my grandmother is like, Nick, do you have a girlfriend yet? And I'm like, Listen, Mimi, I don't. One, it's a global pandemic. So I've been home a little bit recently. I know you're gallivanting around the country, but I've been home. Mm-hmm. Second, like, I just moved to a new city. I don't know. I, I don't know what the generational disconnect is. Also, no, no, I do. It's age. It's like, in yeah. the sense of, I am not looking to get married until I'm in my late 20s. Like, it's not even, like, it's not a priority for me. I said late 20s. <laughs> it's coming up. 
but that, it's it's literally five years. Like that's coming up. <laughs> but my point is like, I'm not like right now. I don't feel the rush. Right. And like, if I find someone, and then five years from now we're like having fun, we can get married. But like, I'm not gonna be. Le- I do not. I will not feel like the clock is ticking mm-hmm. until I'm like 27, and I'm currently yeah. 22. And so, like, fine. I think back then, like, you got married when you were 22. And, you know, the men came home from war and everyone got married. And that's fine. I understand culturally and sociologically, like, why that happened. My point is, it's not happening now. Yes, 100%. What I will say is the other thing is that back in the 60s, the 70s, people, I feel like the whole thing about chivalry is dead is kind of valid, but not in the sense that, like, oh, like, if I go on a date, they're not holding the door open for me, or they're not paying for me, like, I don't want that, I don't care, it's just, it's this dating generation is weird, like, It's not like we go on a date and then we're boyfriend and girlfriend. It's like we go on a date, but then he's going on a date with three other girls and then I'm texting five other boys and like, it's just like, you you never, you're not dating them. And it's not the same dating as how my grandma used to date. You know what I mean? Dating has changed and it's not as simple as I think you're cute. You think I'm cute. We are a good pair. Let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. Let's get married and have 10 kids. It's not like that anymore. Things are more complicated. People are doing their own thing. People are putting their careers above relationships, above dating. So, and that's all I got to say on that. Back in the day, your pal Nick was getting bullied by a family friend. And, you know, my father's advice was swing back, Nick. (laughs) And... You know, one day we're all at my house where the kids are having a water gun fight. This kid throws his water gun at my head from, from a height. So, like, I was at the bottom of the slide. He was at the top of the slide. He chucked <laughs> it at my head. So it hurt. I'm, like, upset. I'm angry. I'm, if you want to fight, like, we can fight. But, like, I'm really not. Like, I'm kind of over this. He goes, okay. And he, like, comes down. And he goes to punch me, and I grab him by the shirt, shove him to the ground. Now, it had been raining recently, so the grass was very muddy. And I have taken his head by his hair, and I have slammed it into the mud. And I am straddling him. He's laying face on his belly. I am straddling over him, like sitting on him taking his head and smushing it into the mud. And I'm yelling at him things like, stop picking on me. I'm over it. But I remember my dad pulling me off of him. And this kid's dad was like, looking at me like, you are unhinged. And I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Whatever his last name was. My dad said to hit him back. And my dad was like, I mean, that's not really what I said. And like, <laughs> had to go, like backpedal. But I was like, yes, dad, you said the next time he comes for you, you just show him who's boss. And that's what I did. 
And so I guess the moral of the story is like, sometimes I think parents had a different way of settling disputes than people our age now. 15 years later, I think a kid would be like permanently expelled from school. Nick, I think that story is very endearing. You know, your dad said, Nick, when the going gets tough, you show them who's tougher. And that's what you did. You just bought- Katie, you- for the love of God, <laughs> please confirm that you know that's not how the saying goes. Oh, I do. That's my, I made that saying up. Nick's dad really just said to him, you know, ball those fists up and show him who's boss. So I just want to be clear. My dad is like everything to me. I think like there's plenty of great advice I've gotten from him. Uh, But yeah, I mean, like in this particular instance, he had me uh, throwing fists for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Honestly, I think kids need to stick up for themselves more. Uh, Something that I do not think boomers should have any sort of critique of the younger generations on is mental health. And I mean this in a way that, of course, your parents, if you're, of course, you should take advice about this from your parents. But I don't think that our, I think our generation and the older generations are so disconnected in this way. I don't think that anxiety and depression, I don't think that they're at higher levels. I just think that would talked about more. There's lots of a stigma around it. And so people are more comfortable talking about it, for sure. Right. And so I, and this is nothing against my parents, but I've heard them say like before, oh, why is your whole generation depressed? And I was like, I'm sure your whole generation is depressed too. They're just not allowed to talk about it because they were raised in a house where they weren't comfortable talking about their feelings. And I'm, and there's definitely people in our generation where they are in an environment where they're comfortable talking about it. I don't think that we've made it as far as we can, but I do think there is more open. There's at least an effort to get rid of the stigma around mental health. It's not unrelated from like any of these like liberal things, right? Like everyone is gay now. And it's like, no, it's just like people are more comfortable living openly than they were. I think going along with that is like body image. I don't think that our parents' generation grew up in a time they were accepted as they were, you know? And that's something that our generation is trying to push, you know, like body, uh, body positive and like self-love and everything like that. So I think that taking advice from a generation that would never learn to like love themselves as they were like, and that's not on them. It's on the people who raised them. And like, it's just sad that I feel like oftentimes parents can push these negative feelings about like people's bodies, especially for young girls and young teenager, young teenage girls and boys too. I'm not saying that it's exclusive to just girls, but um, I think oftentimes, especially with social media, like it's just really like it can, especially now with social media, it can be worse these days. So I think that it's so important for young teenagers to have like supportive parents to, you know, give them good advice about this. So if it's not good advice, don't take it. Just to recap, you know, The couple of pieces of advice we don't think that you should take from older generations because, listen, at the end of the day, they don't know what they're talking about. I know they've been through it, but it's different times. 
different experiences. So take it all with a grain of salt. Don't let them pressure you into college plans. Don't let them dictate your finances. Don't take advice about dating. And don't take advice about mental health or body image or anything of the sort. So, you know, it's your life. You're the author of your story. So you're the director of your movie. So just keep going. Okay, so thanks everyone. <laughs> Here's the deal, okay? We're going to spend the next few minutes previewing the next season of The Bachelorette, which is going to lead into our debate of the freaking week. And I just want to say, if The Bachelorette does not interest you, you're going to tune off, tune out now. That's fine. We love you anyway. Like and subscribe. And we will catch you next week with a surprise special guest. Yes, you guys, we have a special guest coming. It's going to be a surprise up until the very moment you can listen to the episode. So get it's hyped. It's going to be great. So get excited. We're going to ask you guys on Instagram who you think it's going to be. So get your, get your guesses going. Start brainstorming some ideas. And we'll see you guys next Thursday. But for now, let's do our bachelor slash bachelorette recap. Or preview, really. Preview. Yeah, that preview. Yeah, so let's dive in. So, I mean, first of all, I think basically what this is going to come down to is like, can they pull it off, right? Can they make this work with a mid-season replacement? And it's also interesting that they are not owning what happened. So in all of the previews, Claire is very clearly the Bachelorette. It is her season. And there was, there's been no attempt so far to be like, surprise, it is the Claire and Tasha season. And Which Tana I, it's and not Becca. really surprising. Right. But it's not really surprising that they, they're doing it that way. It's just like, it's, it tells you a lot about how they're going to try to play this off. Right, and that is very, very uh, typical of the Bachelor Nation. I feel like they, you know, there's a ton of people who dedicate their time to, um, like, discovering spoilers for The Bachelor. Like, Reality Steve is a popular one. Um, Game of Roses is another one. I feel like maybe they knew that when this happened, it was gonna go... Uh, viral everyone's gonna find out about it so they're trying to save face as much as they can but it's kind of a weird move I feel like they could use it as a marketing strategy and put two girls on the poster and be like hey this is what's coming up like get excited it will be the most dramatic season yet Chris Harrison hasn't even said that once in any previews which is weird and, look, I think he will, but I think it's also this element of the cat is out of the bag. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was not a... Pete's season was the most... Or, sorry, the least, like, spoilery season, I think. Right. We like, didn't know. Their, Reality Steve was not willing to confirm it was Hannah Ann. You're saying he's not willing to confirm. It's because he didn't know. Reality Steve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant, like, Peter did. I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, no. They, like, didn't know for sure that, like, they were hearing conflicting things. And that was really impressive. And I remember my whole time, my theory was, like, 
the only way it could truly be spoiler free was like if Peter was going to do the final rose live, right? You said and that, yeah. I said that, and that wasn't the case. And so, like, they really did pull off a spoiler free season. And, like, people knew, but it was not like, it was not hand to hand season where everyone knew everything. Hannah like, B season. Sorry, Hannah B's. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I honestly, like, I don't like a, a spoiler-free season to an extent. I I like, I like, like, not knowing what's going to happen. I hate when people spoil things for me when I don't ask them to. But I think having spoilers, it's kind of like a game. Bachelor, when there's a Bachelor season on, it's literally a game. Like, you're scrolling on Twitter and you're like, oh, oh, don't, don't look at anything. Like, I unfollow, like all of um the bachelor and bachelorette people when i'm watching like i just I, I clear my feed of anything that i think could ruin it for me and but i do it's like i said it's a game you're trying to avoid the spoilers you can feed into them if you want to if you want the whole season spoiled for you you could probably google it you used to be able to google it and now you can't um yeah, they've gotten better and i no, i think that is a good point for me though like i remember hannah b season um, I think it was like after the episode with Mike getting kicked off, or because Mike was like what final four. I didn't watch Hannah's. Oh, that's right. So he was like final four or final five, and then he got kicked off. And I was like, after shortly after that was when the whole thing with Jed became clear, and mm-hmm. that's when I was like, okay, this is like not fun then. Like I know who wins, and I get it. And I watched the finale because I wanted to see the fallout. But I, I honestly had to go back and watch, like, the two or three episodes before. Like, I didn't see it. Right. Um, whereas Peter's, like, there was no episode that I was willing to not watch because I genuinely didn't know what was going to happen. And that was crazy um, and different. And so, like, I think this it's going to be interesting to see how they do this whole thing. The debate of the freaking week is whether or not you think they're going to be able to pull it off and it's going to be, like, a season that you can tolerate or if it is going to be, like, just unbearably bad. In the right. sense of, like, and- so I would use for clarity, Peter's season was bad. Like, the people were annoying. The scripting was, like, over dramatic. They, like, beat the de- – like, Champagne Gate was, like, so Gosh. much. Like, so heavy-handed. And so that's, like, how we're kind of defining a bad season. Like, they're – the fights on Pete's season were pathetic, but they literally gave me life. I was like, this is so much. I don't know. See, like, they were good, For though. me, it was like, give me – it was like, give me Corinne. Like – Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I, I okay. want chaotic energy. Like, Pete is everything – I, like, couldn't get invested. There were very few people. I, the only one, really, that I was, like – Hannah Ann, I respected as a player. I was like, she's somehow she keeps stirring the pot and it never gets blamed on her. And second of all, she's Kelly, innocent with it. Right. And Kelly was the one that I loved and was like, this is very clearly who Pete should end up with. Mm-hmm. And like, apparently the producers didn't like that idea, but Pete did. Um, and it's so like, whatever with that whole situation. Um, but like, remember the beginning when like Hannah B was coming back and they were yeah. like, oh, and it was just, it was so much. It was so heavy. They should have just gotten back together at the beginning. Hannah B and Pete. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would have solved like a lot of problems, but I know. so 
let me just let me answer your debate of the week. So I think that Pete's season was not unbearable, but it was just bad. Like I didn't I didn't like it. I hated all of the girls. I just I didn't want any of them to win. Like I I like I honestly like that he's with Kelly now. I think that he was, and I hate how they're all over Instagram being like, no one wanted to see us together. Like no, we did four choices ago. Like we wanted to see you guys together when you were still on the show and he didn't well, go through three other girls. Like and look, I, I always think liked the producers. Her. Yes. But I think when they say no one, they mean the producers. Because I think what I have read since is that Peter was, like, kind of towards the end, like, it's Kelly. And they were like, "Mm, no, it needs to be, we built it up to be Madison or Hannah, and it needs to be one of them. Um, Honestly, I think this season finale would have been just as dramatic if he showed up at Kelly's in Chicago. I will do anything to be a producer on The Bachelor. But it I know it's too good. Um, so what I'm saying is, I think that that season was really bad. But of course, I still watched it. I think that Pete's season was bad. I still watched it. Listen to your heart was terrible, and I couldn't keep up with it. So I yeah. don't think I don't think that this season is going to be that bad. I do think I'm going to watch the whole thing because I'm like dying to know what happens. But I do think that it's going to be the type of thing where I'm like annoyed the whole time because. I think that I don't think that I like Claire as a bachelorette in the first place. I think that was a weird choice. And I think the idea of bringing three other girls in to make it like another paradise, it might be really cool and it might be like really dramatic and I might love it, but I do think it's going to be kind of a train wreck and I'm very interested to see. I think it's going to be so funny when Tasia comes in and bachelor's like, Oh my God, look, you guys, Tasia's here. And everyone's like, we know. We knew that was going to happen. So I think it's going to be a train wreck. Obviously, I'm still going to watch it. What do you think, Nick? So I will argue the flip side, which is that I think they will be able to pull it off. And the reason I'm going to argue it's a success is the show has struggled, I think, in recent seasons to convince people that it's real. And, like, obviously, everyone knows it's not totally real. It's a reality show. But I think... They have not had the opportunity to show someone genuinely falling in love in a while. So, like, for the record, I've not seen that many seasons. Um, and, like, I've gone back on HBO Max and rewatched some of them because they've, like, been on. And that's been great. And that's helped me be, like, a better better understanding but like I think even Nick Vial season right like it was hard to believe he was in love with Vanessa like by the end you were like yeah like they make a cute couple but you weren't like no that's his soulmate she was like his he was she was his last choice my point is these producers are being handed gold yes they don't like they this is what the show needed, right? Because I think the show was losing steam because people were like, okay, like it's getting to be too much, right? Mm -hmm. This is a chance for them to bring it back. And like, I've never believed that the show is genuinely about helping people find love. But in this case, it worked. They will hit it out of the park. I have to believe it. I have to hope for it. So 
I'm optimistic. Success or failure, I'm rooting for success. Yeah, I could get behind that, but I'm still going to root for train wreck. Just I mean, it could, be, it could be a train Like, it could blow up. Like, it could be boring. We all know who it is. Like, it could just not work. And that's totally yeah. real. But I have to believe that a show that pays people to produce television about a couple falling in love, when they finally find a couple that's fallen in love, I have to believe they're able to pull it off. Yeah, and also we missed out on Paradise, which is like my favorite time of the year. Oh my goodness. Which, so we might get a little bit of Paradise exactly. with this situation. So I think that it might turn out really good. Um, I think it's been hyped a lot, not by Bachelor Nation themselves, but just by fans and everyone. So regardless, I'm very excited. I think it's going to be good, but I do think it will awesome. be a train wreck, but I think it will be good. Well, next week we are going to have a surprise special guest. It is going to be so great. I'm so excited for this person to join us. For all of us here at What the Frick, we love you. What are you, an airline? <laughs> what are you, an airline? Thank you for flying pilot. Southwest. <laughs> Grab I'm your peanuts pilot. on the way out. Thank you for flying uh, Delta Airlines. I am Pilot Pete. Is he Delta or JetBlue? <laughs> He's Delta. <laughs> Delta, okay, well. baby. Well, that was spot on then. Yes, thank you guys. We hope you have a fantastic week. We can't wait to present to you our special guest. It's going to be a secret until the episode airs. So get hyped, get excited. Get your notebooks and pencils ready for their advice because it's going to be thrilling. This has been great. This has been fun. I can't even begin to describe to you what this episode has been like to record. All right. (laughs) Uh, Bye, pals. This is Nick. This is Katie. And we will see you next Thursday. Let's go.